Welcome back to the Autopsy of Dexter Morgan, Season 2, the Dexter Rewatch Podcast, where we rewatch episodes of Dexter, the Showtime drama, and try to dig into what works about the show, what doesn't work, and ultimately come to a cause of death. I'm Daniel. And I'm Eric. And here we are. We made it through Season 1, and it was a great experience. And now it's time for Season 2, the Bay Harbor Butcher arc. And today we're going to be talking about two, Season 2, Episode 1, It's Alive, and Season 2, Episode 2, Waiting to Exhale. Quick recap. Again, this is not a show to listen to if you have never watched Dexter and have an intention to watch it, as there will be spoilers for many things that are not that are past this episode. Season 2 is primarily about Dexter being, his work being discovered, the garbage bags full of bodies he has at the bottom of the ocean in Miami get found out, but this actually happens somewhat later in the episode, which was a surprise to me. It starts off with him counting the exact days, hours, and minutes since he has killed his brother Rudy, the ice truck killer, and in that time he has not killed anybody because Sergeant James Dokes, MVP, has not let him out of his sight. So Dexter's trying to keep a low profile, take up bowling, and just kind of get his life back together after some stress with the ice truck killer. His sister Deborah is living with him now, a little bit of roommate drama there, and Dexter's dealing with trying to move past how killing his brother has affected him. The first episode's primarily dealing with him trying to get a couple kills of the weeks off, once against a voodoo murderer, for lack of a better word, who kills people with ricin, but he ends up letting him go after he hesitates when trying to kill him. And then the second against a gang member, Lil Chino, who kills a man and then kills that man's mom after she agreed to testify against him. And with a machete. Yes, with a machete. Dexter captures him, but doesn't have him taped down hard enough, and he escapes. And Dexter has to spend the next episode trying to catch up to him and ultimately try to get his mojo back with regards to killing. But as I mentioned earlier, Dexter also has a problem with his work being discovered by some treasure hunters who find dozens of bodies at the bottom of the sea and in comes special agent Frank Lundy, our special guest of the season played by, is it date? Is it Keith Carradine? <laughs> um, that's a great question. I always get the brothers confused. I believe that it is Keith Carradine. Yes. Right, yes, yes. David is the much older one. All righty, got it. That's the kind of main plot of the series so far, but there are some significant subplots with Maria LaGuerta not being happy being out of her fancy office, uh, Dev dealing with some fallout from the ice truck killer and some PTSD, and we got a subplot with Dexter, Rhea, and Paul. Eric, I really liked the premiere of this episode. I had some mixed feelings on the second. What did you think? Um, yeah, I, I think that the premiere the premiere does a pretty good job at setting up what 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 it builds to of Dex struggling. And uh, yeah, I agree. The second episode isn't nearly as strong, but I don't know. I think the central storyline is really good. I think it's where the we're running into some issues with these subplots and these you know other smaller arcs that not sure if they're going to fully pay off in the way that we're expecting i also realize i do not remember a lot of these subplots you brought up the s word already the subplots which (laughs) is 
the thing that kind of worried me too, I one of the things that I loved about, to start with the things that I liked, I love that this season, right from the start, really kind of dramatizes the fact that Dexter has the need to kill. It's something right. that he'll play off later is where he refers to it as an addiction, but that it he really has to do it or he starts to go a little stir crazy. That's not really, that's alluded to, but not really dramatized in the first season, which I don't think is a problem because the first season is so jam-packed with content already. And that's something that I'm kind of looking forward to revisiting with this season and see how they kind of play off of that and see what's there. And then we've just kind of scratched the surface of the real hunt for the Bay Harbor Butcher, which I really remember enjoying this arc and I'm interested to see how that goes. But yeah, we're kind of already getting into subplot town with some of the things that were introduced in these two episodes. Yeah, the so we had speculated about whether Esme Pascal, the new lieutenant that Captain Matthews had put in, um, whether she was going to be a part of this. And this picks up five weeks after the first season, and it she's still a part of the show. And her subplots, uh, or her major arc, right, is about her... Uh, her and her fiance, right? Fiance, or is it, yeah, yeah uh, struggling with uh, her thinking that he's cheating on her. She uses police resources to start uh, researching him, and uh, the bench like sees this. And like she also, uh, Pascal shows up to a crime scene and like is very, it's a very like not, not great like constructed scene in terms of pascal like having that conversation very loudly and openly it just feels like it felt out of character for her even if we've only very briefly had her character it just felt like it was something to service the plot um i don't know yeah i just i'm not really digging her arc right now um i just don't think she's being drawn very well as a new lieutenant but um as for yes let's uh not not jump around let's go back to the premiere in the premiere i was i was really um engaged with how deeply Dokes and Dexter's antagonism towards each other is being developed. I think it's really great. What were your what, what did what did you feel about Dokes in that premiere? Us here at the Autopsy of Dexter Morgan podcast are big fans of Dokes, and he brings it again in both of these episodes. I feel like there's a great line from a great exchange from him and Dexter where <laughs> Dexter says, "I have a few of these written down, so I'm wondering if we have the same one written down." I'm pretty sure you have this, but yeah. Dexter just says, "Hey, Sergeant, thanks for supporting yep. the bowling team." And Dexter says, "Fuck you." And it's so beautiful. Yep, because it's so passive aggressive from Dexter, and it's just so aggressive from Dokes. <laughs> I really dig the way that the way that Dexter and like D- Dokes clearly gets under Dexter's skin in a way that I oh, yeah. find I find really interesting especially because of the fact that we don't really ever have a character like Dokes again after this where Dokes is arguably objectively like a good person on the show you know what I mean like he he like but but he's crafted in such a compelling way because of the fact that he's the antagonist to our protagonist I don't know I just like I I started to realize watching these two episodes in particular how much I like how so thoroughly I enjoy Dokes as a character and everything that he does yeah that's been one of those things as I think we've alluded to this on the podcast before there's an episode in season seven I think it's the finale where they do Dokes flashback scenes right and I remember them not being very good we're gonna have to revisit that sometime down the line and that was the thing where I was like 
man, was Dokes just always like a cartoon character in the first season? And I just kind of laughed at him because he was over the top and funny. And while I do laugh at him because he's over the top and funny, he is a very good character, as you're saying. And just, I, I like the simplicity of just how much he's making Dexter's life a complete living hell just by right. tailing him and just following him and not just kind of like waiting for Dexter to make a mistake and just kind of putting the groundwork in. There'll be... There would be subplots somewhat similar to this in the future, I remember, of, like, Quinn will try to get dirt mm-hmm. on Dexter, LaGuerta will. There's, like, a private investigator who I think is in season five or six, but that ends up going nowhere, so I don't really remember that one too well. But yeah. Just, Dokes just follows him and lets him know that he's following him and just taunts him, and it, you're, it's so delightful to watch. Right. Yeah. I think that I think it's the fact that it's enjoyable, whereas the other times it's not. And and the fact that it's not just now Dokes that is closing in on Dexter. It's the fact that now the entire police department and now the the FBI is going to be investigating this Bay Harbor butcher. I think that 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 stuff's terrific. Um, I do have a couple couple notes from the first episode. So um, when Dexter is lamenting the fact that he can't uh, kill and he is out on his boat. He said, "He says, I come here to dump bodies, not beer bottles. I don't know why, but when I heard that line, I said it in my head as the I write sins, not tragedies line <laughs> from Fallout Boy. So I just thought that was amusing. I also um, very interested in how uh, Paul had his arc basically completely wrapped up in this first episode. He ditches um, the wig, ditches the show. <laughs> right he moves he, he once again like he is a uh he takes he moves out of his hor- corporeal form and moves kind of between on the spectrum of being paul blart and paul giamatti <laughs> at various points in this in this episode although his his arc does trigger rita kind of closing in on dexter too which i think is also really interesting everyone is basically out to get dexter at least interrogate him in some capacity what were your what did what did you get from that Rita Rita arc? Did you think it was it was strong and effective? I'm not a huge fan of this storyline from what I remember. I don't remember yeah. liking it that much the first time I saw the show, but we've talked about this before where there's subplots on Dexter that you seem to wipe from your memory and then all of a sudden they come rushing back like the opening scene from the It mini series where everyone's calling <laughs> everyone else and saying it's back and there's yeah. a dramatic zoom in on your dilated pupil that was how i felt when the rita and dexter pretending to be a heroin addict subplot started because i don't remember i i did not remember that in the slightest i did not remember that being a part of this show at all so like anything that rushed back to you like you took any of that energy from me as well because i don't i literally don't remember a single point of this arc is this where he meets uh this has to be where he meets lila, lila. i wonder if it's right. at like an na meeting or something like that has to be like that makes sense and I, now like that that part but i still don't remember that it's weird like now i mean that, that like makes sense based on what we're trying to figure out when she comes into play but yeah i definitely did not love that reveal at the end of the second episode um yeah I, yeah, I mean, I kind of, it's kind of like you said, I appreciate what they're trying to go for in that it's, again, just kind of the walls closing in on Dexter from multiple different angles and him being trapped on the home front now, as well as the work front and the 
serial killer front i just don't think it's the best execution yeah and i i think that part of what we have there is i think the showrunners probably feeling a responsibility to not let the paul storyline end and have the paul storyline carry through in a significant way i just wonder if that was really the means by which we could have done that because i think Rita definitely already had enough to work with of not trusting Dexter, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the part that I don't really, like, I just don't really get that it needed to take that logical step. Yeah, d- uh, dialogue-wise, I just didn't think that that's, that arc at the end of the second episode made a ton of sense, but I guess yeah, we'll see how that goes. We were, between lukewarm and thumbs up on Rita throughout the first season, not an amazing yeah. character, I don't think we think, but not the kind of vitriol that I saw thrown at her on forums. Yeah. I think in these first two episodes she's not terrible but that she's kind of inconsistent. She has yeah. one line that I wrote down because I was just like hold up what? Where she's talking to Dexter in that final scene where he quote unquote confesses to being an addict and she says for all his flaws Paul paid the price for my dream? Like what uh-huh. are you talking about Rita? Like, What does that mean? Yeah. Like you um, didn't want to disrupt your life with Dexter so now Paul's dead he's still the one who decided to get into a prison brawl because you wouldn't help him make an appeal case and he also right. beat the shit out of you so yeah I, I I agree I think like the the dialogue for Rita is not great and I think that part of what she's like Rita's frustrated with Dexter wants to throw Paul a funeral no one else shows up at the funeral which I feel like that wasn't it was weird that that wasn't mentioned more or being part of, like yeah, that like there wasn't like more of an issue like with that junky friend to show up right i mean it was more it like was dramatic. like yeah why wasn't that mentioned or like why wasn't it mentioned that no one was there that was weird like or when i wouldn't invite anybody else right and like she knew his family so it's one of those where like she had been arguing with him on the phone which was weird so i'm wondering like if they knew like it's just it was that type of stuff where it's it felt like the Paul storyline was, I mean, not that I like am lamenting that Paul is gone as a character, but it felt like they just didn't wrap it up, uh, like they didn't wrap it up efficiently enough. And then they just kind of like, there were a lot of leaps that were taken that narratively and character wise, we were just kind of supposed to accept. Yeah, I feel like very broadly, the kind of beats that they're trying to hit with this subplot, they're not terrible, I don't think. I feel like Rita's emotions Mm -hmm. it feels kind of icky to be talking about a female character's emotions but just kind of the way she approaches things during the episodes are they feel very inconsistent i'm like i get the impulse to want to give paul a proper funeral and that he was a part of your life right but then you're like screaming at dexter about it where before their thing has been that they've been like very understanding of each other and i get that kind of a catalyst for that can be that She's like, oh, I don't know if I trust Dexter anymore because I did find the shoe. I feel like there's connective tissue there that we just aren't, that's just missing in some way. Yeah. Another thing that we should talk about before we move into segments is I had also forgotten that uh, before Ghost Harry, we received Ghost Rudy. (laughs) I had that written down too. I never would have predicted that in a million years. I also forgot about that. It's wild how many like things, and also now that you're now that we're seeing them, we're just like it. It also the ghost Rudy stuff doesn't it doesn't need to be there. Like it's it's one of those that like 
that stuff works just as well with Dexter's monologue and the head, like, and the, the doll head. Like, it just didn't make sense to me that they're, like, we needed to have his physical presence again when, like, I think it's far more effective to have his only physical presence be the photo that triggers Deb. Like, I think that that makes way more sense. You know what I mean? I just, like, mm-hmm. I just didn't, ah, it's just, it's one of those where I'm like, God, this is gonna, this, I see where they're, like, they're making these narrative decisions that I just am not on board with, but it's not terrible. It's just uh, kind of annoying. It's one of those where I'm like, you guys could have, there were just decisions that they could have made better in the second episode in particular. Yeah, I didn't think Ghost Rudy was terrible, but again, something else that we had speculated on was, is Ghost Harry going to show up like season two, episode one? And they're still <laughs> doing some Harry flashbacks that I like. One thing that kind of made me chuckle in one of the Harry flashbacks was him, you know, going enough with the psychopath bullshit Dexter mm-hmm. just cause that felt like an unintentional fuck you to Dr. Vogel in season A2 That's a we're talking about Char- Charlotte Gainsbourg yeah, Charlotte Gainsbourg <laughs> <laughs> which I, I'm gonna put that back in Pandora's box cause I can't get too into that yet uh-huh. a couple yeah. other things I want to mention our very first scene of Angelo the hat he does not have his hat and after his divorce, he is taken to what to I Oprah. is the secret. <laughs> yeah. Which... Um, yeah, he, he like full on, who knew that, uh, like, yeah, um, the hat was a full on Oprah stand. Like, I never would have <laughs> predicted that. But yeah, that part, I, I love that Dexter in his inner monologue is basically tears him apart as he's talking. <laughs> like, he is not kind to him at all. So I think that was some <laughs> definite credibility to the hat without the hat theory is that's our first hint of it he's talking right. about it later when he has the hat on but that was the first intro and it's like oh angel's into the secret now and there's a scene where dex <laughs> where dokes basically tells him like get the hell out where he's trying to talk about it right very good um also something that uh one one last thing and then we should go into segments did you do you remember if every season starts with tonight's the night and like that monologue do you know if every like i don't think it does but like this this uh the premiere started with Tonight's the Night, which was almost the exact same title. Like, it was mm-hmm. made visually and obviously uh, dialogically to be like the premiere. Do you know if that repeats at all, or do you remember if it does? I am, I'm gonna say 90% sure that it does in season four, because I don't remember if you know how season four begins, but it's kind of, it's a fun, it's a fun twist on how some other Dexter things have started that. Oh, right, isn't it like Tonight's the Night and then it's like a family thing, right? Uh, it, I think it's. I think it starts with. It might start with him saying tonight's the night, and then it's kind of a play on the shot from the title screen of him putting his shirt on, but it's like covered in like baby food or vomit or something like right, that. Right, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. But I don't know about season three. I really don't. I really doubt the last four seasons do. But <laughs> we'll find out. I doubt season five's career starts with tonight's the night. <laughs> uh, that doesn't seem right. Okay, so should we move into our segment segment? Uh, I have a couple other things I wanted to mention beforehand. Yeah. Uh, overall, I still think Dexter's voiceover is pretty good. That yeah. seeing how Ghost Harry is used, which we got Ghost Brian first, so closest thing is something that I want to keep an eye on. In the second episode, we hear Dexter say, last thing I want is for the cops to bring little Chino in. He's mine. This is kind of our first progression to Dexter potentially interfering with Miami Metro investigations although he right. does not actually do it he just says oh no I he... want to get to him first 
and he also bet well he benefits from the fact that little chino wasn't there when they arrested everyone so he like he lucked out too um i definitely think we're going to start to see that more especially this season because of what the arc is uh, other thing like <laughs> i'm really wondering if deborah putting a gun to the throat <laughs> of a child is going to be adequately followed up on in this season i don't think it is but that was the thing where i was like holy shit yeah dex said he was going to talk to deb um that that's insane like that's in a, in terms of a plot point like that's crazier than mo- most of the things that this show does like in terms of that be that's never acceptable police behavior on even on this show so it's just like yeah i don't know how much that's going to be followed up yeah well we'll see maybe we'll be proven wrong or we might start the, the cracks may be starting to show unfortunately but i'm still somewhat optimistic that i'll enjoy the main plot here yeah all right enough jibber jabber it's time for the segment segment <laughs> All right, so um, I think we should start with a continuation from last season. So for uh, changing characters' names, uh, we've established quite a few. One that I want to change, you know, Little Chino is actually pretty big. So I think I think he should be called Big Chino. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and... no objections. <laughs> Even though uh, Big Chino dies in this episode, I was just like, why was he called Little Chino? He's like six foot eight. I was just like, that's silly. So we're going to call him Big Chino because he's because he's big. We kind of put the memoriam on it, but until we meet again, RIP Pork Sandwich Watch. It's time for the fan favorite Vince Masuka Weekly Creepy Meter. Oh, man. So in our premiere, we have a few choice lines. So, uh, well, Masuka says, I want to see a real 7-10 split when he talks about wanting to go to the strip club. He is worried that Deb isn't going to be, quote, tight anymore after being gone for five weeks. He also says, want to see something swell or want to see someone swell come a little closer Man, Masuka had some creepy, like, really gross lines this week, especially those last two directed at people. I'm going to say this one was a seven. Ding, ding, ding. You got it. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm, I'm impressed with myself. Yeah, I had all three of the things that you talked about. Seven, ten, split. Man, that's not crazy, but it's ammunition. But asking if Deborah put on weight after going to a very <laughs> dramatic event, which also... <laughs> It's kind of topical with us recording this during the coronavirus right. pandemic. And probably some of our, both, at least one of our two listeners has probably put on weight during this pandemic. So I sure have. Yeah, oh yeah I mean, we're, not a, we're not above that. And his introduction, his like, hey, nice to see you again to Deborah's, want to see something swell? Yeah, it's, it's yucky. Wowzers, Vince. Coming out strong after you were pretty weak in the season one premiere. Mm-hmm. I know he came on hot like he, he knew that he had work to make up for yeah and he he, he did it in the first episode what about the second That's, one yeah so the second one I really actually don't have any Masuka lines outside like, there's this wasn't wasn't even creepy but he basically like he mentioned the ice truck killer and that was about it and that was really I think his only line for the most part I think this was this episode where he also was like telling Dex that he was brought in uh, to like look at the bags and everything that were on the bottom of the ocean. Yes, I think that was in this. I don't think he said anything creepy though. I'm gonna say this was a one. 
Um, I have it as a three, mostly because Ooh, I think okay. there is a shot where Deb walks away and he like stares at her ass. <laughs> oh no, I, I missed that. I think it was that. a blink and you miss it. But oh, okay. I thought, yeah, this actually probably would have been better as a two, but the ink's dry now, so. Yeah, no, you can't change it. That's the rules. Um, what about a new segment? Do you have any that you want to introduce? I don't have any new segments at the moment. What okay. about you? So um, one that that I visually just arrested me in the second episode. I think that we need to have a uh, Battle of the Hats segment. Um, and so uh, what this will entail is um, every time that the hat is uh, in the frame with a person with another hat, uh, we have to decide who wore it better. <laughs> no, I'm so, very much here for this. <laughs> so in the in this in the second episode of this second season, also this once again was a thing that one like a a, a a reminder that the second episode wasn't that strong. I don't think we ever see Dex wearing hats pretty much like ever, but like when he wears this one that says Miami PD on it. It's the blandest, like weirdest looking hat on his head. Um, and, but there's multiple shots of like decks in the foreground, uh, the hat in the background, and they're like hats dominating the frame. Um, whose hat do you think, who do you think looked better in their hat? Do you think it was the hat or do you think it was Dex? Dexter's hat's not great. And Angelo, the hat, Batista's hat's the only thing keeping him grounded to this earth and preventing him from being sucked into hell, like the end of Sam Raimi's classic horror movie. So I gotta go with Angel, the hat, Batista. I I agree. I think that I think that this this will be a segment where there isn't necessarily a right or a wrong answer, but probably about ninety eight percent of the time the hat's gonna win. But he will definitely find a formidable foe at some point. I can oh, feel yeah. it. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah, I'm excited to see where, where that takes us. I am now very excited. This is going to be something we're going to have to pay attention to. Cause... Yeah, there's a lot of things that we're like, we're adding to this mix that like, I'm just, I'm not remembering most of these like plot points that like, I'm also now having to pay attention to these, frankly, ridiculous elements of characters that I'm starting to lose track of. My notes are borderline incoherent at this point. Uh, season two episode. I know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be so bad. This is what we signed up for. And I'm That's true. Looking forward to it with fear and trepidation. <laughs> All right, Eric, any final thoughts before we wrap up this first episode as Booker starts playing with his chew toy? Yeah, I uh, I took away all of his squeaky toys, and I, do I legitimately don't know which one he's playing with right now. I can't see it, so we should wrap this up. <laughs> all right, well, this has been start of season two of the Autopsy of Dexter Morgan podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Eric. Thank you again, both of you, for watching. We'll try to cut a little deeper next week. Until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye.